Five, four, three, two, one. Thunderbirds are go. It's time to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and join Alan Price and Chris Vint with their views as we deploy Operation Retroshock. The year is 2065. The location is the secret island base, the Tracy family-run International Rescue, a top-secret organization whose ongoing mission is to aid humanity. With the support of five incredible Thunderbirds craft, the London agent, Lady Penelope Crichton Ward, her butler, and ex- Safe Cracker Parker and Genius Brains, the Tracy family, battle the forces of evil. And that can mean only one thing, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 40 of Operation Retroshock. I am Alan Price, and the man that was lovely when he was describing this <laughs> is Chris Vint. Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome. Uh, the year is not 2065, otherwise we wouldn't be doing Retroshock. It'd be Future Shock. It'd be like Retroshock 4000 and million twenty-five. Yeah, so episode 40. Uh, I was tempted to go 40, 10, 39, 10, and then... But that could get just, quite annoying. Uh, it just take too long. But a good measure if you want to go to sleep. Yeah. So just put that at the end, just us talking. Wake up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why are we here today, Alan? We're here to oh, talk right. about... <laughs> we're here to talk about Thunderbirds, oh, Mr. Tracy. This man can't help himself when it comes to Thunderbirds, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. He really is quite enthusiastic about the subject, and uh, I think it's fair to say is it this is one of the, we've revisited you know a couple of things and you know across Retroshock you know we've done Pokemon a couple of times that sort of thing but this is kind of another major return because obviously we talked about Thunderbirds many moons ago and of course we described the horrid uh, Time to Thunderize yes modern movie but. Chris decided to uh, contact a certain someone, and he was more than happy to talk to Chris, so we just thought, let's do another little episode on Thunderbirds. So, what we're going to do in this episode is, our little first segment here, we are going to take you through the episodes of Thunderbirds. Not all of them, because then we would keep you here to like 21, blah, 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 you know, whatever. You know, you would be dead, probably, if we're all totally <laughs> honest. Um... What? How did this man die? He died of old age while listening to Operation Retroshock. 18! Oh, I see what happened there. <laughs> but yes, Chris has the complete box set here of Thunderbirds, so we're going to go through, pick out some memorable episodes and that sort of thing, talk about those. We'll do a couple here in the first segment, then we shall go to the interview, and uh, it'll be a wee bit different, this interview, but we'll explain at the end of the segment. Um, and then we'll come back from that interview, and we'll finish up, and then tease you with various other tantalising things that are coming up for Operation Retroshock. So shall we get stuck in? I think we should get stuck in, yes. After you then, sir. Okay, well, we'll go with, uh, obviously we'll do these in chronological order. One. Uh, 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 two bats. 
So, uh, yeah, these DVDs from the UK release, obviously, with the likes of the US one, a uh, certain Mr. Michael Lacey, um I bought them for him since he was good enough to get me a Lion and Tigra figure. Um, he was also kind enough to get me one, too, so thank you very much, Mike. Yeah, and unfortunately, Mr. Michael Lacey could not be here today, um, so this episode is dedicated to Mr. Michael Lacey. He's he, not wanted, dead, he wanted to be here so bad. He's not dead, but just taking a break. Um, very much like Elvis. Uh, what, were they both having Kit Kats? I have no idea. But there is an advert in here to do with uh, Thunderbirds and Kit Kat, so nice segue there. Thank you very much. Yeah, so there's four episodes here. Trapped in the Sky, which is obviously um, the very first um, episode of Thunderbirds, the debut of all the vehicles and stuff. Well, Thunderbird 2 and Thunderbird 1. Thunderbird 2, my favourite. Um, so Criminal Mastermind, the Hood, puts a bomb on a plane. International Rescue must foil the Hood's evil plans and at the same time save Tintin. That's, that's not Hershey's um, adventures at Tintin. Yeah. Uh, who is on board. Um, so this one here, obviously, um, they can't land. It's very much like speed. Yeah. You know, they have bit, to yeah. keep uh, keep going. Um, if they land and land the gear goes, then they'll blow up. So it's up to Virgil and Thunderbird 2 to bring out these, like we... Um, cars and two of them are remote controlled but it's kind of like he's got a wheel either yeah. side of him um, and then the plane lands down and um, Thunderbird 2 to the rescue as always that's why I loved it so I prefer <laughs> Thunderbird 1 I know that's yeah, uh, your favourite the next one is Pit of Peril which is a lot different because this has like uh, the Sidewinder oh, which yeah. is a revolutionary mobile army unit disappears underground during testing Brains concocts an elaborate and risky scheme to rescue the men on board now you see people going down to try and help but the because where they are in the hole it gets very very hot and you see them coming up and they're holding their face and then they're covered in, yeah. in bandages and they're oh, like yeah. oh it burns so mm-hmm. it's like well, you know when fire meets plastic you know that kind of thing <laughs> I'm sure that was the same with Michael Jackson but um, uh, yeah so um, the, this is the first and I think the only time I'm not sure but you see the mole which is kind of the driller yes I love the mole a Thunderbird 2 comes um, with I can't remember what one of its it many it. accessories. Yes, exactly. Time to accessorize. That would have been better. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah. Um, prof- this is the next one. The perils of Penelope. There's a lot of perils. There is, yeah. Um, Professor Borender, an important scientist, and Lady Penelope are both abducted. The dastardly captors tie Penelope to a railway line to force the scientist into revealing his secrets. This is re- that's really wild west style, isn't it? Tired of the railway. Yeah, but it's kind of. Uh, it's obviously it's 2065 so instead of the train tracks being below it's actually up above so yes. the, tr- the train track actually instead of being upright it actually flips down and then you see her like just lying there looking crazy witchcraft and that's whenever <laughs> I think it's I, I think it's Alan Virgil or Gordon and Virgil going to rescue her mm-hmm. um, because Parker meant, meant to meet them it's not a great episode mm. but the next one is my one of my favourite episodes because I remember watching this in a child mm-hmm. um we were thinking of doing an episode commentary on like uh, an episode. Um, it wasn't this one for obvious reasons. Yeah. Called Terror in New York City. Yes, yeah, um, kind of understandable. A TV and a cameraman are trapped when the Empire State Building collapses. Can Gordon and Thunderbird Four help by Brian save them in time? Um, the opening scene to this is um, it's kind of like an oil rig or uh, an oil oil platform. Yeah, uh, yeah. kind of like that there and. Um, 
you see um, Scott um, and Virgil taking off after the rescue of somebody and there's Ned there who's um, with a TV camera and he says look I want you to go as fast as you can beside Thunderbird and yeah. we'll, we'll take a video of them th- uh, going off and then Scott has like this thing that flashes that goes yeah, like yeah, yeah. oh somebody's taking photographs of the ship so he wipes the film and then later on you see them in the Empire State Building yeah. and they're on top and uh, because it's getting moved like 20 mm-hmm. feet to make room for development or yes. something like that um, they're all all the Tracy family are all sitting down watching it and oh yeah I forgot the main important thing is that Thunder- <laughs> Thunderbird 2 has been um, hit by the I think it's the Navy it's like a really really fast ship how very dare they and um, there's yeah, Virgil's driving along and the missiles hit and you know he's in distress and then another missile hits yes. and they go and hit him again to finish him off and then somebody says you know like oh it's Thunderbird 2 destroy the missiles so <laughs> you see Thunderbird 2 and um, loads of smoke and Virgil's yeah. like really re- in bad shape ready to Scott's collapse going, basically like, come on Virgil we're nearly home you can make it and go land the gear up and whenever he goes to land the landing wheels are broken Uh-oh. and you see like all the foam they try and cool yeah, 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 yeah. Thunderbird two down. So I, I thought that was I thought that was a pretty good scene. Like, so was, that, that's it's, why it's I pretty, like it. It's pretty, you know, for what is a puppet show, it's pretty big deal to try that sort of stuff, you know, because it could just with it being the way it is, it could look bad. But for the age this show is, and for what they did, I thought that it was pretty cool. I must say. Um, then you see, um, obviously, Thunderbird two is you can't be used. Knackered. And um, they're going to an Empire State Building. Ned is on top and goes like, "Hey, that's Ned Cook. Um, he's the guy who's taking photos of Thunderbird One. Oh, he'd do anything for a story." And they go, mm-hmm. like, "We've just been told to uh, evacuate the building because there's unsafe structure." Oh. Then Ned and his cameraman fall down, and the way they fall, <laughs> you're just like, "If that happened, titty bread, titty bread." You know, like it's like one of them their arms are like behind his back you know like for everybody like, who doesn't know what titty bread is it's Northern Ireland a saying for you're dead basically um, so whenever that happens Virgil goes we need to get Thunderbird 2 there right away with Thunderbird 4 and goes like forget Virgil Thunderbird 2 is out of commission so <laughs> it's up to the Navy to help Thunderbird 4 because it's only like a small vessel yes, so yes, that's true. they just get there in the nick of time and they go save in, the day yeah they save the day <coughs> as international rescue always do yes. um, but it's a good episode because you see more of the dynamic from Gordon yeah that's true yeah. <coughs> because he's one of the lesser known characters mm. um, and obviously you see Virgil in a different light because it's kind of like it's kind of like if some people are going to go somewhere in the um there are cars in the garage or whatever and it's being repaired yeah. and you can't go out and you're like oh. I'm not saying that you can't go out <laughs> but it's just a case of you know like uh, it's he was desperate to help yeah he was desperate to help but couldn't help because of that there as on screen saver goes on <laughs> okay moving on ladies and gentlemen okay so we'll go for the next one which is um, Edge of Impact a fighter jet crashes in the Telray station trapping two men after being sabotaged by the hood Thunderbird 2 must save the men before the station caves in <coughs> not really um, not really that it's not a crazy rememberable one for <coughs> me like so it isn't no I just remember like um, things hitting in the station and then I think it's a lift that they go into and Thunderbird 2 has to try and um, use like a magnet or like a winch yeah it was a, I think it was a winch pull it up uh, so we'll move on next to so, it. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, 
the crane at the arcades or something like that, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Day of Disaster. Uh, Martian probe rocket containing two engineers is buried underneath rubble when a bridge collapses. Can International Rescue save the engineer before the rocket explodes? Is it just me or do these guys like um, in their titles that the first and last word letters match up? Not of Edge of Impact. You know, but was it there was what's Day, that? Day of Disaster. Yeah, Day of Disaster. I think there was another one somewhere. Perils of Penelope. Yeah. Pit of Peril. Yeah. Okay. See, there's a wee theme. There's a wee theme here. Okay. We shall see as we go on. <laughs> um, so that's one that um, <coughs> the rocket is kind of on. <coughs> it's kind of on like a lorry, and they're going over a bridge. Yes, I remember And the this, bridge, yes. um, they're going like, it'll not hold it. Yes, it'll be fine. And you see the bridge cracking, and then it falls down, <laughs> and then the automatic timer starts. So unless they can get the engineers out, obviously the rocket's going to go up, and the yes. engineers are going to be like, oh, where are we going to go? <laughs> um, so not a bad episode, but... Um, it's not the great, the greatest one, you know. So, uh, the next one is thirty minutes afternoon. A British agent is trapped in a room of plutonium with an explosive device strapped to his wrist, and his international rescue's mission to halt the halt the world's biggest bomb blast. Biggest bomb blast. Biggest bomb blast. I don't really remember much about that one. It's I, isn't I, one that springs out at me. I, I remember the guy sitting there, and then they have to try and. They have to try and cut through the vault because he's in the vault. Yeah. So they try and cut through that, but mm-hmm. um, I don't really remember much no. about that one. Hold on. Uh, the last one in this is Desperate Intruder. Brains and Tintin set off to die for buried treasure in an underwater temple at the bottom of a lake. Yeah, I remember but that. the hood diverts them in an attempt to beat them to the hidden gold. Well, obviously the front of them kind of speaks. Well, yes. Because you see that the hood dresses like a sheik. And um, brains is I know her brains. Brains is like buried in sand, so it's kind of a case of you know he's it's quite violent, dehydrated. <laughs> the hood looks pretty awesome in the outfit, though I must say. Yeah, he looks very menacing as only the hood can. <gasps> Ooh, looky looky! What's that one? Is that one from? <laughs> We're trying to work out the pictures. Sadly, it's, it's a podcast. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's that one. It's Operation Crash Dive. I remember that one. Now. Anyway, moving on <coughs> to number three. Uh, end of the road. Eddie Houseman, a Tracy family friend, is left stranded on a cliff after a demolition operation goes wrong. Oh no! The Tracy boys have to try and save him without revealing their true identities. Yeah, that was a different twist, I must say. Yeah, kind of like a Superman kind of thing. Yeah, it's sort you know, of like hi. It's like hello. How are you? I can't reveal my face. <laughs> I can see you though. Maybe they all wore masks. I don't think so. I just thought we sort of just we black band across their eyes. Yeah. Like, you cannot tell who we are. The next one is one of my favourite ones called The Uninvited. Uh, very much like uh, in the t- the New York one. Uh, this here, uh, Thunderbird 1, is shot down. But this what is, is it? Why is it with our favourite Thunderbirds getting shot? But this is shot. Uh, Scott is brought down in the des- desert by three mysterious jet fighters and captured along with a team of archaeologists by the Zombites. A lost pyramid dwelling tribe. Um, so, I think it's just a case of he's heading home or something. And gets shot. And he gets shot by them and then he crashes. And then the two guys who he saved um, are... I think they've lost their supplies. And goes like, hey, look, that's one of those Thunderbird things. And you kind of see... It's a kind of class shot because you see 
the sand uh, you see them driving through and you see the camera pan around it's Thunderbird 1 yeah yeah but there's like a wee window open and Scott's kind of like draped over oh it. yeah so like the arms kind of hanging down and you just mm-hmm. can see the top of his head of hair um but you see them you know like they Thunderbird 2 comes to help uh, Thunderbird 1 see? and then um, they all sit around and have a campfire and have some meal and, and s'mores and stuff then they go away <laughs> um, so they're trying to the archaeologists are trying to find a temple um, which has like uh, an everlasting spring of like water or something so they go in and find that and that's where the zombites are and that's whenever they put out a distress call because they've lost their supply so Scott goes back out to help them the help goes in there and then Thunderbird 2 arrives just as Scott has kind of finished and is kind of like Virgil take off he's just about to blow and he kind of is like, Virgil's just landed and then he has to kind of it's like oh come on and he kind of has to and then away he goes um, but they rescue them but that's that's one of my earliest memories in that because I used to have that in video was the uninvited oh. another one it's a channel 5 video it's on the side I remember that goodness me uh, the next one this will probably be one of your favourites is Sun Probe mm-hmm. a space explorer yes. is on collision with the sun after becoming lost Alan and Scott must execute a rescue plan without colliding with the sun themselves yes so this is one where for Thunderbird 3 is mm-hmm. like only this one is, this is kind of it's first sort of it's not well obviously it's been involved before but this is no know, it's, well, this, uh, is, this is the only time ta- this is one of like two or three times mm-hmm. you've actually seen it yeah but it's just like it's this is it's starring role now is yeah. like we're in space let's you know let's go and do it like but it's absolutely awesome I love this um, it's because they're trying to help them not to sorry I didn't know if I was getting called there or not <laughs> um, Chris is so popular he thinks he's getting called in entire time um yeah so they're trying to help the um the um space explorer they're trying to pull it away from the sun but then they get dragged in and then brains and virgil are in like thunderbird 2 and they've got a satellite to try and help activate the shield for them to like it'll hit their boosters and then it'll turn around and they'll head on home um brains saving the day again yeah Indeed, uh, but that that one there was a cool one, and then the other one would have the character Rick Poutier O'Shea in it because that's the way he used to do. He used to do Rick, and then he would hit it, and it would go to O'Shea. Um, so that was a good one as well. Um, Operation Crash Dive: uh, Two Fireflash jets come down in the Atlantic Ocean in bizarre circumstances. Although international rescue saves those on board, there's no explanation for the crashes. So the front there is obviously that's one of the pilots that's in the very first one, the trapped in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is Fireflash that's in the first one. Um, I can't remember, but I've a funny fe- I've a funny feeling that it is. <coughs> Sorry, the microphone's just getting squeaky. Um, <laughs> but that was that was a good one because you see, you see like um, Scott helping be on board, and then you know like once the radio goes down from the fire flash, um, then Scott has Virgil, and he go like, okay, well here's where we are now. No, Scott, it's in here that you're here, and what well, that's not happening at all. Yeah, so it's kind of a case of they will then say. Here you go. Here's where you are. Um, very much like Goldeneye. Whenever they something's wrong with the radar, and then uh, Bond finds something. Yes, it's and then it goes like, "Hey, it's over here." That's um, he's wearing he's wearing colours to do with Vietnam. He'll be shot um, as he's jumping over. That it. wasn't Goldeneye. Sorry, that was Goldeneye. It's, 
there's the thing that in Goldeneye you have in Goldeneye he has the, the, the box he has the box that has the numer- the numbers and it's whenever he's jumping out of the plane no that's um, that's Tomorrow Never Dies Cause that's that's the one with uh, that's the one with the news company are you yeah thinking? yeah that isn't golden I think that's tomorrow never dies because oh well whatever. but it's I know what you mean I know it's the it's one of Braun Holmes films that maybe an, you shouldn't <laughs> be living here uh, you need to put the audio in there so they know what you're doing no 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 no, yeah, no, no. It. yeah it's tomorrow never dies because it's the one where it's like there's the encoder thing and it realigns the satellite so it makes them think the ship was, oh, you know, right, okay. the ship went off course and all that all sort right. of stuff. Well, within the right year, anyway. You got there eventually. And the last DVD set we're going to cover this time is number four. Um, the first episode on this is Vault of Death. A Bank of England worker is trapped in a time lock safe programmed to stay closed for two years. Oof. Time is of the essence as oxygen is running out in the vault. So, Sadly, you can't eat money. No, and one of the things is um, you find out that Parker is like a safe cracker. Yeah. So... Um, which is pretty awesome. You see him, you know, trying to help. but like, checkered past. I think it's a case of that, like, they blow it up. They blow up, like, the instead of the safe, it's, like, the side of the wall. <laughs> and they go through, and it's, of course, it's just in the nick of time. Um, the next one is The Mighty Atom. Um, the Mighty Atom is a robotic rodent programmed to take photographs. The hood steals the machine, intending to take secret pictures of the Thunderbird, Thunderbird's craft and operators. So it's just like a little mouse. You yes, see and then the wee eyes take the photos, so it kind of looks up. And you take a photo, and then you run on, take a photo, mm-hmm. run on. So I think it was a case of he tries to put it on one of the Thunderbirds, or it's just running around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something happens to it, and somebody it gets squashed. I think Lady Penelope hits it mm-hmm. and breaks it, or something like that. Sounds like something she would do anyway. High heel stomp. <laughs> City of Fire a space age shopping mall suddenly becomes the site of a raging furnace a family is trapped and saving that, yeah. them is down to the mole and brains risky new cutting gas which is not being yet tested um, but don't worry it works out okay. so that's that's a good one as well because it, um, you just see the family that are there you know like and it's, it's like a husband father, a husband wife and a little son I think it is and so because they're trapped you know like they have to use I think it's kind of like a almost like a welding you know like iron you know like they put the yes, flame on and then yes, have to yes, like yes. cut through the thing blowtorch yeah kind of like a blowtorch to try and help um, save them from where they are and the last one in this is the imposters operations are unjustly suspended when imposters disguised as international rescue take secret papers from a vault it is up to Lady Penelope to track down the phony thunderbirds um, I don't really remember a lot about that one, to be honest with you. I really should have watched some of these beforehand, but maybe you got nine DVD sets. Yeah. You know, like nine DVDs to go through. You're kind of wondering, yeah, I'll try and remember some of these, but... Um, yeah, because you just want to give a quick summary of it. You don't want to bore people to death or well, anything How long like have we been going for? Well, it's only about 20 minutes, so it's not too bad, but... That's the first ones out the way, which means one thing... And you know what that is, Chris? What is it? I'm about to disappear. Oh, okay. Well, nice to talk to you. Yeah, so... Do you want some Pepsi before you go? Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much. Um, Yes, ladies and gentlemen, um, you will notice here, uh, after the break, that once, as the Pepsi bottle (laughs) tries to speak to the microphone, uh, you will uh, realise after the break that uh, oneself was not present. Chris got the pleasure of doing this interview all by himself, so I will let him lead into it. 
Yes, so obviously we've uh, covered some of the episodes of Thunderbirds. Obviously one of the main Thunderbirds was Thunderbird 1, piloted by Scott Tracy, who was voiced by Shane Rimmer. Um, you may remember Shane Rimmer from the likes of a couple of Bond films, maybe a Star Wars film, uh, some Superman films, um, or even Batman Begins. Or you may just remember him as Scott Tracy. So um, sit back and enjoy as I um, interview Mr. Shane Rimmer about his experiences on Thunderbirds. Uh, goes for about 20-odd minutes, so uh, we shall talk to you on the other side of this. So, Alan, please play my promo that I made to do with Thunderbirds. Thank you very much. I'm off at 10 Thunder Eyes. One, two, three... Now, International Rescue's latest top secret, Thunderbird 6. Thunderbirds are back on the cinema screen in a brand new space-age adventure in Technicolor and Technoscope. Revealing to the world for the first time their latest, most closely guarded top secret. Here is a whole new world of excitement as International Rescue blasts off into action to rescue the hijacked Skyship One. Hold it right there. The giant airship of the future on her maiden voyage around the world. On board Skyship One, Lady Penelope, her man Parker, Alan and Tintin. Watching and waiting outside, the traces of international rescue. Skyship One is losing height. About one mile ahead is an early warning system with interceptor towers. Below it is a missile site. Thunderbird 6. It's top secret. It's the all-action adventure that reaches new heights in screen entertainment. Hey, this is Chris Jericho and Fozzie. You're listening to Operation Retroshock with Chris and Alan, the sexiest beast in the UK. Nice to of course. You're listening to a podcast on popculturenetwork.com. Be sure to head on over to the site at www.popculturenetwork.com to check out more podcasts and videos featuring toys, comic books, video games, and all the things you love. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Network store, where everything you purchase helps to keep us producing. Just head over to popculturenetwork.com and click on store. What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retroshock with crazy cool Chris Vent and awfully awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on popculturenetwork.com. Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans, new and old, won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. 
tracks are go. Plenty of Thunderbirds energy fast when you need it. The Thunderbirds team all have sugar smacks for breakfast. You'll love these honey sweet packs of wheat. Don't be left behind. Kellogg's sugar smacks are go. F-A-B. Hello and welcome back from the break folks. Uh, we've got another interview segment lined up here. Normally Alan Price is sitting beside me but for some reason today he's at work. And I get to speak to this gentleman who I've been looking forward to for quite some time. So sir please introduce yourself. <laughs> Shane River otherwise known as Scott Tracy. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, sir. Thank you so much for hopping on Operation Retroshock. Um, this is a big moment for me. Uh, one of the questions, which we'll get to later on, will you'll understand why. Um, so obviously, as um, Shane has just said there, voice Scott Tracy and Thunderbirds. So, Shane, what was the interview process like for Thunderbirds? Were you there to audition for Scott Tracy, or were you there to audition for someone else? Uh, no, I... I was at the time doing a, a BBC serial called Compact, which was a, probably uh, produced to try to uh, contest the airwaves with uh, Coronation Street. Okay. Uh, Jerry Anderson heard or saw Compact and thought the voice would fit the character of Scott Tracy. Uh, so I went along to his <laughs> palatial place. In, in Gerard's Cross, just outside London, put down uh, a voice track. There was no name attached to it, so I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know Jerry Anderson at all at that time. Uh, put down a voice track. Uh, that was it. Uh, so I left uh, a little confused and, and, and not even knowing what I was auditioning for. But about four days later, I got the uh, call from uh, Century 21 to do the part of Scott Tracy, and that's, uh, sorry, I just ran up the stairs, <laughs> just ran up the stairs, so I'm a bit uh, uh, short of breath, go ahead, <laughs> anyway, that, that that's how it started, um, and about a week, two weeks later, we were in the recording studio uh, on, on the pilot, on the pilot film. Okay, brilliant. Um, well, this is a big question for me. So my father um, says for me to tell you that you were awesome in Thunderbirds, and my father was the main reason why I began started watching Thunderbirds myself, like many children. So many parents and children alike may have bonded more after watching Thunderbirds. So how does it feel knowing that you are a huge part of so many people's childhoods? Well, it feels lovely. I, I, I was always happy about the... Uh, uh, the background of, uh, of Thunderbirds. There was nothing really malicious about it. There was, uh, it was always in good taste. And the other, the other really interesting part was that it, that it uh, was a forerunner. A lot of space vehicles and uh, this sort of thing uh, that followed after, you know, in, in the next 20, 30 years. A lot of things were developed that looked very, very much like Jerry Anderson's creations. Uh, this is talking about spacecraft and, and army intelligence and all this sort of thing. So if, if that was the case, and I think it was, I think it, it, it got to be very popular. I think it was for the right reasons. Uh, there were good storylines. They had a marvelous script editor, Tony, Tony Barwick, uh, who worked along with Jerry. And um, any action or any... Uh, uh, you know, when things started to uh, boil up a bit, it was all in, always in pretty good taste. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't think they ever descended to uh, some of the rogues uh, they take now on, on these series. I don't know how some of the kids watch them. America. Anyway, that that's besides the point. That's uh, anyway. It, it was a, a part of my life I I've never regretted being being into, and and, uh, and that was forty years ago. So it's uh, <laughs> it's quite a look back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not telling them how old my dad is because he'd probably kill me, but anyway. Um, so it has been said that Thunderbirds had to get American voice actors so the American audience would be able to understand the voices. Would it be right to say that if your father hadn't moved from Belfast and you stayed there, you wouldn't have got the job then? <laughs> I just had to throw the know. Belfast think, reference in the, there. Um, I think the voice uh, type has a lot to do with it. Jerry, Jerry wanted something that uh, to him anyway was was the, the voice that would would be used for this, this sort of exploration and, the, and this kind of uh, space space traveling and he reckoned the, the American voices uh, would fit the situation better and so all of us uh, except for David Graham I think Ray Barrett all of us were Americans or uh, it didn't matter what they were because they could do Americans probably better than I could so that that was the sound he wanted, and that's the sound he got. Okay, brilliant. Um, did you actually do any other voices on Thunderbirds apart from Scott Tracy? And did you actually work closely with your fellow voice actors, or like some people, were you just in the recording studio by yourself? Oh no, we were all together. We had one mic, a central mic, which was a. a it, it took it. It wasn't directional at all. So we would group around the microphone. And when it was our turn to do something, we'd step into the uh, into the mic field, do our line, and then hope to get out before we crashed into somebody coming in the other <laughs> way. So it was all together, and, and I, I, Jerry felt that um, it was better for a bunch of fellows who uh, obviously were working together, family. Uh, they would integrate better if, if it was all coming out of you know one microphone. I, I, I think that worked. I think it was right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's brilliant that you were all in the same thing. I'm sure there was plenty of, um, like, plenty of things that maybe didn't meet the airwaves, shall we say. Um, uh, so, Jerry Anderson, as of course, was the creator of Thunderbirds and other fantastic series such as Stingray, Captain Scarlet, etc. Um, yeah. Did you meet Mr. Anderson regularly? Uh, what are your thoughts on um, the man himself, Mr. Anderson? What are my thoughts on what? On Jerry Anderson. I think he was a, a, a genius in a way. I mean, he was a forerunner, and most of the people who create these these sort of things and are the first off uh, have got this incredible sort of uh, imagination and follow it up by actually putting it uh, putting it on screen. So I think he was uh, up in his own, and uh, each uh, inspiration he had for for a follow-on series. Work. I think there was only one that didn't work as well as he would have liked. Every other one did, and he had quite a few. So his his tally was was absolutely terrific. He's still he's still going and still wanting to get back into things. I don't know if if it's going to work out. Nobody seems to um, uh, be in charge of the uh, of uh, Thunderbirds at the moment. Seems to be sort of sitting there and not doing too much. So I, I hope something happens to revive it because 
it uh, for, for, for the kids who watched it, I think, is they grew up with it and they remembered it. They know more about Thunderbirds than I do from <laughs> these conventions. So it it obviously was an important important part of their young lives. Yeah, uh, as you've just mentioned there, you know, like um, you go to conventions. Um, so what's it actually like to meet the fans face to face? Do you get a lot of people saying FAB to you? I would imagine. Yeah, some even come with Thunderbird hats on. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Walking like puppets. I yes, it uh, they're great, and they they uh, come in by the thousands. I'll tell you the. Um, uh, I think there's one coming up. We're going to Norwich this weekend to do a convention up there. I think there's one practically every weekend over here. Uh, and the Doctor Who's are, are and we'll follow on in a couple of weeks weeks time. But uh, obviously Star Wars is a big is a big one and uh, so everybody is on the alert to take off every weekend for the next next convention. <laughs> um, so would it be right to say um, that you voiced the best international rescue member who had the most appealing vehicle I know for me it was probably my favourite vehicle um, not to brown nose or anything but for you would um, you consider Scott to be the best member of international rescue oh, I don't I think each, each, each person took his own you know took turn with his sort of thing I think Scott, being a Thunderbird one, probably was closest to the uh, the center of the activity, um, and he uh, he didn't miss he didn't miss an episode. But uh, no, I I think it was pretty well portioned out uh, in a, in a fair sort of way. Uh, each 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 uh, brother, each Thunderbird brother, was uh, had a, had a different aspect to him, young or or uh, somebody was. Uh, somebody else was a bit of a scatterbrain or this sort of thing. Uh, but they all were very dedicated to this uh, pursuit of uh, the good and the, uh, the demolition of the bad. <laughs> okay, so um, you start with Ben Kingsley and Gandhi, and Sir Ben Kingsley would go on to play the Hood in the live-action Thunderbirds film. Uh, what were your thoughts on this film, if you if you have seen it, and uh, were you asked to actually appear in it as a cameo at all? Uh, nobody from Thunderbirds had anything to do with it. Uh, I think that was okay with everybody in Thunderbirds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, after seeing it, yes, I would I, probably I agree with you. I think these things very rarely work when you try to uh, uh, do a, a follow-on with a different sort of setup. The whole, whole center of that Thunderbird operation was Jerry Anderson. And when he wasn't there, and in fact, he, he walked, they, they brought him in as a consultant at one point, and he just, uh, I think he stayed two weeks before walking out. He couldn't believe what was going on there. So I don't think, I think you can't do it very successfully if, if, you, if you bring in a whole, you know, a whole new lot of uh, uh, techniques and a, a lot of, all the crew was different. All the producers were different. So it was it was quite a remake, and I don't think any of it worked very well. Okay. Mind you, I didn't see it, so <laughs> you're not <laughs> missing much. Let's, yeah, you're not missing much. Um, so obviously, with you being uh, part of Thunderbirds recording and stuff, um, do you have any interesting stories you would like to share? You know, like what's your most memorable moment from actually recording um, the voice of Scott Tracy? Well. <clears throat> 
excuse me. Uh, it happened so fast. I mean, the the uh, you had to be very pacey. The o the only uh, danger was you uh, after you did your lines or whatever they were, uh, and you had to step back and allow room for somebody else to come in. There were some <laughs> terrific collisions going on, especially if somebody with a half a half a second late and trying to make up time, and uh, it could be a bit dangerous the whole thing. <laughs> You should have had a traffic cop, I think, in there somewhere. <laughs> well, at least you had all the members of International Rescue there if something, you know, like really was untoward. Um, a person I've interviewed on my other podcast, Master Universe Chronicles, uh, Mr. Robert Lamb, who was like a storyboard editor and stuff, yeah. um, has a question from his wife for you. And his wife, uh, wife Sean, hello, Sean, asks, why didn't they do a third season of Thunderbirds? Yeah, that got asked quite a lot. Uh, it should have been because the ratings were there. Uh, everybody was happy with the uh, with the productions. Lou Grade, who uh, who was the uh, producer, who actually cracked the at that time America had quite a quite a prohibition uh, against incoming uh, television and and, uh, and film products. They liked to keep everything for their their, uh, their 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 own their own crowd. Uh, so it was a difficult it was a difficult market to crack. What did crack it was Thunderbirds, uh, and that was under the uh, guidance of Lou Grade. He wanted to uh, make a different sort of distribution deal out in America after the first first series, and uh, couldn't get it. Uh, I don't know, and never did find out why the. Uh, why it didn't go on from there. But it was a distribution <clears throat> uh, sort of fallout with the American networks that uh, that stopped it. They wouldn't give in, and uh, now they were new grade. So there it was. The series came to an end. Okay. Um, so you've brought out your autobiography from Thunderbirds to Pterodactyls, is that? Uh, I just want to make sure I'm saying it right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah we'll send, and we'll send you an audio um, book release that you read out. Did you enjoy getting the words on the paper and also completing the audio book as well? Yeah. Uh, you, are you asking about the about the people at Time Forgot uh, that bunch of films, or or about the uh, the actual CD we did? Uh, or about sorry. The future? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Just, just both of them. You know, like, um, did you enjoy actually completing the paper version of your autobiography, and then also actually just doing um, the audio book yourself because that's one you actually read out, isn't that correct? That's why right, a talking book. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that was. I, I, I hadn't really done one before, and so uh, it was. It was, <laughs> it was a bit of hold your breath time on that one. But it took <laughs> two and a half days. We had to cut it down. Uh, Take about two thousand words out of it. That was the hardest part. <laughs> I'm uh, sure. Trying to know, knowing uh, what was best to leave in and what was best to take out. Sometimes, if you took something out, uh, something else was left hanging that you'd forgotten all about. So you had to uh, get that right. No, it was, it was a very pleasant uh, experience. <coughs> a very pleasant experience, and, and uh, it's coming out in November, mid mid November, the CD with the same title. Uh, Thunderbirds Pterodactyl yeah it, it, and I think it worked okay so okay. we'll see okay brilliant uh, Christmas gift for somebody um, maybe so, um, are there any dream jobs that um, Mr. Shane Rimmer hasn't done as yet or was there any jobs that you didn't accept an offer for and kind of regretted it uh, 
No, I usually accept the offer. <laughs> I do not come in. Uh, no, I don't think. I think if the material in the production isn't terribly tasty, uh, maybe you'd have second thoughts about that and not. Yes, there have been some of those. I'll, 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 I'll leave out the names of the, uh, the titles, but um, I wouldn't be very comfortable doing something that uh, wasn't very, very tasteful. Okay. Uh, people can visit www.shanerimmer.com to order different photos which you personalize. Um, how gratifying is it that you can still pass on things to your fans? Great. Uh, <laughs> they're the ones that keep you keep you in place and keep you up there with a, with a series like this. They're, they're the fans of Thunderbirds have been terribly staunch and very loyal. <laughs> And they turn out in uh, in great numbers whenever there's a convention that's pretty well uh, lined up for uh, the Thunderbird crowd, uh, and they're very uh, very generous in all sorts of ways. So it's it's nice to be able to put back something into it besides from doing the voices that uh, they will find favorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Okay. Uh, what is left for Mr. Mr. Rimmer to accomplish? And with you touching on conventions there, um, is there like a, a particular person that you seem to travel more with, um, or is it just a case of you all seem to travel by yourself? No, I think each each production lines up with a different, uh, pretty well a different cast. I did a lot of work with a fellow called Ed Bishop, who was Captain Scarlet. Okay. And... Uh, because they do, uh, in a lot of cases, insist on uh, pretty well authentic North American voices, you do find yourself traveling with and taking part in films and television with people, Ed from New York, and most of them, Bill Hootkins, who was another great actor, was from Texas. So there was quite a, quite a great little United Nations bunch going in there. So, uh, but I think each, each film usually lined, uh, lined up people. A lot of the actors would come from, from America. And uh, so that, that, was, that, that, that was the way it sort of worked. Uh, each, each was a new experience with new dangers to it, and uh, you just had to cope and see how you fit it in. Okay, brilliant. Uh, well, Mr. Rimmer, thank you very much for jumping on Operation Retroshock. Uh, stay on the line there. I just want to um, talk to you just off air there. Um, but join us after the break, folks, whenever we'll have more fun Thunderbirds discussion. I'm sure it'll be FAB. What a terrible pun, but anyway. So join us after the break. Excitement is gold. Adventure is gold. Danger is gold. Thunderbirds are gold. Now, on the big screen, in Technicolor and Technoscope, Thunderbirds are gold. The incredible Tracy family, secretly known as International Rescue, again blast into action from their secret base on an uncharted island somewhere in the Pacific. Thunderbirds are gold. You'll streak through uncharted worlds of adventure. You'll journey to the swinging star, nightclub of the stars. You'll share the danger 
as the Thunderbird battle for survival against the rock snakes of the dark planet. Now, on the big screen, in Technicolor and Technoscope, a brand new adventure that takes you where you've never been before. Thunderbirds are gold. Hi, this is Larry Candy, the voice of Lionel from Thundercat. You're listening to Alan Price and Chris Vince on Operation Retroshock. Thunder, 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 Thundercat! Ho! Hey guys, I'm Rob Bass from Not Mitten Box, and you're with Chris Vince and Alan Price, and this is Operation Retroshock, only on the Pop Culture Network. Five, four, three, two, one. Thunderbirds are go. Thunderbirds are go. Go, Thunderbirds. Have a break. Have a Kit Kat. And welcome back, everybody. Yes, I am here. I am back in the room. I am back with Ooh, you. I am sure you're extremely Ooh, happy. I get know, out. I know he is, anyway. Sit down, get out of my house. And there was me about to compliment you on the grand job you did of an interview. And, but now I'll say, I don't think you should do many solo interviews. Oh, jealous. <laughs> but yes, good job. Thanks. So we will crack on. So we shall with the rest of these episodes. So I will get started with The Man from MI5. So again, there's the wee double letter thing going on. Uh, A lethal organisation steals top secret plans working in conjunction with a British Secret Service agent. Lady Penelope must recover the stolen material to save the world from total destruction. I think that's from the cover there. Looks like he's in a wetsuit or something. Yep, that looks like it to me. Um, yeah, it wasn't that amazing that I one. don't really like episodes that really heavily involve Lady Penelope like this one I, don't I didn't like I didn't like her voice well her voice was done by Jerry Anderson's wife Sylvia Anderson I believe mm-hmm. so um, yeah there goes uh, there goes uh, my interview hopes again Sylvia I don't like your voice um, <laughs> that's okay that can be a solo interview and I'll just not be there <laughs> Um, but no, I just some of the ones with Lady Penelope, I just don't like at all. Yeah, and that was she one was, of them. She was never a particular, you know, entertaining character for me or anything like that. She kind of just felt like a bit of an excuse to have there. If I'm honest. I think it's a case of because you have so many, you know, like of not to be um, sexist or anything, but they're all the boys all the men you know mm. like you do all the Thunderbirds and then obviously Parker is her butler mm-hmm. um, but I just I, I just don't know um, the only episode I liked was whenever her and Jeff went off on holiday and then um, Scott was left in charge of the, the Thunderbird organisation mm. I think at that time I think at that time Alan's voice had changed or, was, or no Virgil Virgil went through a voice change um, not a sex change but a voice change <laughs> so. anyway moving on uh, we have Cry Wolf Wolf <laughs> <laughs> can you guess what it's about ladies and gentlemen yes it is to prove as a child watching this do not do things 
that well effectively cry wolf because then they won't believe you and something actually goes wrong because this is what happens two Australian boys are playing their favourite game oh mate international wrestling Yabby Creek Biru oh, sorry everybody uh, when they're crikey what a beauty when their and distress call is picked up by oh my international rescue win die straight can you help us we're stuck man a wishing well crikey okay calm it down <laughs> okay sorry too far, too well, far. Oh, that's right. I forgot. People don't like voices. Yeah. Yeah, so much for having fun. Uh, <laughs> when their distress call is picked up by John and Thunderbird 5, after a tour of Tracy Island and being ordered not to use their radio again when they return home, tut tut, the hood then tricks the boys into an old mine shaft drat so he can steal secret photos from their father. This time their distress call is real, but International Rescue will not believe them now. Terrible. And they died. <laughs> I'm only joking. I would always like to know how the hood gets around. We know how the Thunderbirds get around. I've never seen the hood and like, uh, you know, does he go through airports and stuff? Well, if you were to look at the modern Thunderbirds movie, apparently the hood can't fly because he spins up in the air at one point. Oh, and like, what the hell? Twaddle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I remember this one just with... The, uh, this one, I think, was... Um, would almost have like a Christmas feeling to it. Because, you know, like, they would go there and be like, oh, Scott, you know, like, uh, tell us about Thunderbird 1. And be like, oh, Thunderbird 1 did this. And it's kind of like a clip show. Yeah. And then at the end. Highlight reel. At the end, the boys do survive. Because at the end, it goes like, okay, Scott, off you go. And they put them on, like, this winch thing. (laughs) And they set up, like, you know, how they would deploy a Thunderbird. So at at the bottom is kind of like a... A little go kart, mm-hmm. so he goes like through this sh- um, like slide yeah. and lands on it. You just see him kind of looking around, and then he goes in the <laughs> bin and he's covered in all um, feathers and stuff. And uh, the last line I think is the things I do for international rescue. <laughs> but a fun episode and one mm. very good lesson to kids because it has a moral. It has a good moral. Very like Master of the Universe, which Mike he Lacey, had to get it in there. Which Mike Lacey said we need to cover. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Danger at Ocean Deep. Another double D. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Alan's talking about prices, is he? <laughs> when the Ocean Pioneer tanker mysteriously explodes, <laughs> Brian sets up. Is this the tanker or the boobs or what? The Ocean Pioneer. Oh, that's okay. Tanker mysteriously explodes. Anderson was on a flight again. Uh, Brian sets about investigating oh, the oh, cause. Right. With a little help from Lady Penelope, this is discovered to be a chemical reaction between the cargo of liquid alsterine, whatever that is, and OD-60 found in the sea. International Rescue set out to save the crew of the ill-fated, surprisingly enough, Ocean Pioneer 2. Uh, This is the only episode in which John is seen to take part in the rescue. Uh, You know why that is? Because Jerry Anderson did not like John. Yeah. That's why he put him in Thunderbird 5. They were it's like, like oh, up I in put, space. <laughs> I put him up there because I didn't like him much. And you're like, didn't you create him? Or did somebody go like, here, Jerry, what about this? I don't like him. Put him in Thunderbird 5. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like saying, right, which one of your kids do you not like the most? Um, him. So I'll send him up to the space station <laughs> yeah. and never see you. Get on my ever. face. It's just like, what? Come yeah, on. because Thunderbird 3 goes up and then... Um, 
John says to Alan, um, keep an eye out for such and such you're trying to get through. Um, it's been very faint or whatever. And then he goes on that and he goes like, I can't wait to go back and have some grandma's cooking. And that's the only time you ever see him on Tracy Island. <laughs> Next episode is Move and You're Dead. This is a really, really good episode. I shall summarise it for you all. All. You're all. I might have summarised it for you all. You're all. After Alan Tracy returns to motor racing, his rivals decide to remove the competition by placing a bomb on a bridge which will explode if Alan and Grandma try to escape. Some of this episode is told in flashback. Yeah, because it's kind of a case of his grandma sits down and Alan standing up. If you could if you could stand up and then put your watch in front of you and just stand there and talk to your watch, like I'm doing now, that's kind of what Alan has to do. Oh, right. So it's kind of a case of with the watches, it's um, got like video, you know, like a video yeah. on it. So he's he's saying like, his, it's like FaceTime. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, um, he's um, talking to his dad and go like, okay, Alan. So what happened? And you can see Alan that he's swaying, and um, you know, like um, how long is it going to be? And you can see the sweat dripping down or water, whatever it is, um, down his face. Um, you hear him saying like you know you hear him saying Virgil's here I can hear um, them landing but it's really odd because what they've had to do is the kind of instead of them dropping down they use like um, very much like in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory you know like the floating bubbles they kind of use something like that it's just air that like kind of lifts them up so whenever Mm -hmm. they jump they kind of go like that and (laughs) then they fly off and then the bomb or the bomb goes off because there's nobody there (gasps) Um, but it's it's very cool the way you see Alan's personal life you know the way he was such a good racer and then his rivals didn't take that and then that's how he ended up jealous yeah one of my favourite episodes. Another moral. Don't be jealous. Be don't happy speed. for success. Speed uh, causes uh, Bombs to explode. Accidentes. Yes. The Duchess assignment. <laughs> the Duchess of Royston <laughs> has fallen on hard times and her friend, surprisingly enough, Lady Penelope, enlists the help of Jeff Tracy. The Duchess and her sole asset, the portrait of Gazelle, <laughs> painted by Braquazo. Uh, come under threat and it is down to International Rescue to save them both. So in other words, ladies and gentlemen, right, International Rescue have went from delivery service saving the Empire State Building to looking after a lady in a painting. What has gone on? Do you need somebody to take care of a package for you? Why not phone International Rescue now? Lift up your radio and go, help International Rescue! I need delivery! And we'll be with you within five minutes. Quite literally. <laughs> yeah, not memorable at all. No. It really will just... Lady Penelope's friend. No. Yeah, it's and just she like... another one. She's like, just using, manipulating. He's like, oh, I'm friends with Jeff, so I don't know why I've gone all like this. <laughs> so, Jeff, can you get your boys and your toys to yeah, look after because, me friends? Because I always remember, I was <laughs> like, Parker, I want to go home. And, you know, like, okay, lady, you want to go home, like? You know, so, yeah. In the tune? Of course, Lady Penelope was from Scotland, or Newcastle, or (laughs) one or other. Yeah, she wasn't from London, but this character's (laughs) voice just went through me, because it was like, Oh, Lady Penelope! Oh, just shut up. It's just really annoying. And look, even her face. Look at her face. Uh, you've... Oh, right there. There. Oh, I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like that at all. Yeah, that's her there. (laughs) That looks like Marvin the Martian, actually. 
I'm so angry. <laughs> Brink of disaster. That's Martian invasion as well. I'm very angry. We're getting to Martian invasion. I know, but I'm just saying it looks like more than the Martian. Brink of disaster. A crooked or, or if you shorten it, bod. Here comes bod. And shall, his, I shall kill it. And his friends. A crooked investor tries to recruit Lady Penelope into aiding oh. his scheme to build a cross-country monorail. When Penny informs <laughs> Jeff, he investigates, but he, Brains, and Tintin find themselves trapped on board a new fully automated monorail, train speeding towards a stricken bridge with a now terrified investor. What is it with the Thunderbirds and bridges? Because there seems to be a lot involving bridges. Yeah, this one here kind of... Um <laughs> the person who's dealing with Lady Penelope turns out to kind of monorail. What's that? Monorail. Um, kind of uh, tricks her, and at the end, you know, um, it's kind of a case of it. He's shown to be the bad guy. Um, but yeah, it's you know, brains doesn't know how to stop a train. Apparently, even though the brakes are, you know, like even though he's a genius, he can't. Pull the lever. All right, Mister Tracy. I'm thinking. Like shut up. Um, but no, it's all set in a train, and it's all pretty boring. It's not as fun as, like, playing trains and automobiles. Yeah. Next up is Attack of the Alligators. Yeah. This actually has live alligators in it, but they look like... It's kind of like if you were to have Thunderbird puppets and have Terrapins in it, you know, like, they mm -hmm. would still look huge. When a new growth hormone is accidentally released into a South American river, the house is besieged by alligators, now ten times their original size. Filmed using love... Love? <laughs> <laughs> why did that come out? I know why, because I was trying uh, to say live and young. Oh, little alligator, I love you. <laughs> I love when you. you go and hit that building, you're going to get little alligator. Crikey, what a beauty. Now ten times their original size... Filmed using live young crocodiles, can international oh, rescue right. can international rescue subdue the reptiles and save the people trapped inside before it is too late? Are they trapped inside the alligators? No, in the building. There's like a building. I, just, I was about to say there. <laughs> They're trapped inside but the alligators. Let me out. <laughs> That's what happens whenever you're conquered by love. It's like it's like the Legend of Zelda where you go inside the big fish. Yeah. And you have to rescue it. It's like, no, they're not inside the alligators, they're inside the house. Yes. This one, again, doesn't really ring any bells yeah, for me. It rings me. a bell for me, but it's pretty bad. It's a, it's there a, is that's a probably why it doesn't ring a bell. There's a scene in it whenever... I think it's alligators start fighting each other, and in this day and age, you know, it could be... You know, people would either phone up and complain, or you would have, like, the RSPCA or whatever. Cool. Or, Animal. You know, like, yeah, it'd be that kind of thing. But, um, no, it's not a right episode. It's... It's not a brilliant one, but it's just really odd to see Thunderbird um, crew interact kind of with puppets. Oh, yeah. with puppets? With uh, crocodiles. With, hey, with real life crocodiles. With love. <laughs> with love. Oh, dear. Next up is the one you mentioned shortly ago. Oh. Shortly ago. I'm, I've just got the flipping thing from Chris that ha he had in flipping WrestleShock. Yeah. With the whole wrong words today. Anyway, yes, Martian invasion. Makes me so angry. Yes, it makes me so angry. Uh, the hood arranges for a mishap with explosives during the filming of a movie, leaving two of the actors trapped in a cave. 
When International Rescue arrive to make a rescue attempt, the cameras are still rolling as the Hood makes another attempt to obtain footage of International Rescue in action. So in other words, the Hood is just like a train spotter or a plane spotter. He just wants film or pictures of these Thunderbirds. Just give the man what he wants. Just let him take a picture. It's fine. But the thing is, the thing that always bothered me is... Once he got this information, what's he what's he going to do with it? That's what I'm saying. Just let him have a picture. All the man wants is a picture. I could take a picture of like a plane, but I don't know what goes on inside the plane. Unless I have mm-hmm. an x-ray camera, which I doubt very much that the hood actually did. He used never to, mentioned. He used to have a camera in his hat. He used to have a camera as a mouse. He probably had a camera on his watch. I don't know if he had a camera on his belt buckle, but it's mm-hmm. highly possible. You know, how um, hard is it to take a picture, really? <laughs> there was a, a one where he actually... He pretended to be somebody else and actually got on board, I think it was Thunderbird 1, and tried to take a photo, mm-hmm. I think. But, um, no, I think this was just... A, you know, like, if they had a thing where he kind of knew what they... Um, well, he kind of knew more than he was letting on, that kind of thing, but... I never under I just never understood it. Very much the same way that Dean Irvine on Twitter wrote what you know, like why didn't these kind of cross off with, uh, with Captain Scarlet yeah. or Stingray? They kind of did in a sense because in the uh, music that will play us out, mm. um, if you listen to the start, it goes like uh, get ready for action or something. Um, but that is from I think that's from Stingray. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but you never. I think it would be very hard to mesh these along because mm, the people would be wondering, like, well, why? You know, what's you know, it would have been it would have yeah. made sense if you had Thunderbird four in Stingray, yeah. But at the same time, you know, like a lot of that takes place. You know, like obviously there's the mermaids and stuff, which mm-hmm. don't really, you know, they can't really talk to Gordon if he's sitting in Thunderbird four. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's that's not going to happen. That's kind of like Thunderbird three going up and there's aliens there and go like, oh, well, I can't come out to play because I forgot my spacesuit. Uh, but I, Cap- hate it, I hate it when that happens. But Captain Scarlet, I would, I think it would be very, very weird if they were to do that. Yeah, I don't. Um, I just, I just don't think it would work myself. I think it would have been better if they did like references. You know, like Captain Scarlet says, "Well, don't forget that you know, like um, International Rescue saved such and such, you know, mm. the other time, or something like that, or just little mentions." Yeah, or if you had like character, say like Lady Penelope, to show up in Captain Scarlet, but then mm. that probably make Captain Scarlet worse. <laughs> oh my god. The Cham Cham, or the Cam Cam, or whatever way you want to pronounce it. Cham Cham! When aircraft are shot down, why is the air so unsafe in this television show? It's air bridges. Basically, don't leave your house if you live in 2065. (laughs) When aircraft are shot down during live broadcasts of a particular tune. Oh, so it's to do with music now, so don't fly during, you know, some random song. Whatever's number one that week, don't fly. Uh, It's MC Parker. The, the Not boys, so loud. <laughs> the boys at International Rescue suspect foul play. Tintin and Lady Penelope, posing as mysterious singer Wanda Lamore, <laughs> investigate and find their lives in danger on an out of control ski lift. Ski lift, seriously, come on. Told you don't leave your house, don't go skiing, don't do nothing. You know your life's bad when you're worried about an out of control ski lift it's better a ski lift than it is an elevator you know like Tintin and Lady Penelope rush to the 16th floor but are trapped in the mysterious elevator dun, dun, which dun. will drop them down to level minus 4 oh no <laughs> basement 4 <laughs> basement jacks 
<laughs> Next up is Security Hazard, which is the last episode in series slash season one. It is like a clip show episode as well, so there you go. The Tracy family cannot help but reminisce about their many operations after a young boy infiltrates the island. They are nonetheless left with a problem that the boy knows their true identities until Jeff realises they can use the boy's dreams to their advantage. <laughs> yeah, it says here, when an angry Jeff discovers that the Tracy boys have told him about international <laughs> rescue exploits, he decides Chip must be neutralised. <laughs> Delightful. Their dad isn't extreme at all, is he? Neutralise the boy. What's his name? Chip. Partnering up with somebody called Dale. We'll make a team out of it. And, call and turn them into chipmunks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Brains, have you got the chipmunk right? All right, Mr. But again, Trump. like we say, that's pretty much a clip show episode, so it's a bit of flashbacks and various other different things. Yeah. So there's nothing exceedingly new material. Yeah, because they kind of put, they kind of talk to him, and you know, like he's dreaming, and then he wakes up in his house, and then he goes to his dad and says, "Like I met the, the people from International Rescue." And his dad's, of course, like, "Oh, did you? Didn't. That's that's wonderful." You know, like I got sacked from my job today, so what are you going to do? <laughs> How <laughs> depressing like, is that? <laughs> I must be neutralised. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, moving on to series slash season two in 1966. Now season two, everybody only England. it only contained six 50 minute episodes. Boo! But the first episode, Atlantic Inferno, I have a funny feeling is the one you mentioned earlier. Yes, Chris, it because is. Yeah. World Navy trials of an atomic torpedo inadvertently threatens the lives of the crew of a large offshore seascape rig. That could really mess up if you got tongue-tied. Jeff, having been invited by Lady Penelope to enjoy enjoy, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy her on holiday, enjoy her on holiday, to join her on holiday in Australia of all places, put Scott in put Scott in charge of international rescue. And Alan at the helm of Thunderbird 1. Yay! Yeah, this, because... It's basically set to something to do with an oil rig or something, and they go and rescue uh, rescue something, and then a, a message comes up again, and he goes like, oh, I don't know what to do. And go like, what would you do? Oh, it's up to you, Scott. And they go like, okay, well, leave it. And then it gets worse, and they go like, okay, go! Um, but I think Scott's... Um, face had taken a bit of a dramatic turn whether his eyebrows got bushier or they changed his eyes mm -hmm. um, he looked a lot different in this episode um, so maybe that's why they started you know winding it down and um, changing it um, because these these later episodes some of them are just yeah rubbish you know like we you find it we, we kind of saw hints of it towards the end of yeah, season one especially with Lady Penelope's friend yeah. Lady Penelope's Sorry, as I move my hand away from my mouth. Lady Penelope's getting a wee bit too involved now. Uh, especially enjoying Jeff on holidays. Yeah. <laughs> Smash her back doors in. Uh, Path of Destruction. A new invention. I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen. The Kreblogger. <laughs> a large automated logging machine which converts wood into fuel. What, so it's like a fire? You know, Really? Threatens to cause mayhem if it collides with a dam under construction after its crew collapses from food poisoning. <laughs> Damn it! This it's, is it the path of destruction caused by the men with their food poisoning, or is it by the path of the crablogger? <laughs> by the power of crablogger. I actually love a crablogger. <laughs> that could be like a new slang term for something. 
Again, any real memories from this? Not really. I don't really remember people eating and then like, oh, tell me trouble. I could like, oh no, the Kreblogger. Who's going to save it? I need to go to the Kreblogger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel the Kreblogger coming on. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, this is another brilliant name. The <laughs> alias Mr. Hackenbacker. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the Sky Thrust designed by brains falls into the hands of fashion madmen who take over the plane in order to steal a new French design from Francois Lemaire. It really doesn't give you much from that. No, master criminals hijack a plane when Lady Penelope on board. Uh, Why do you have to be involved, Lady Penelope? Go away, go back to your car. When she contacts Thunderbirds, they force the plane to crash land, but what will happen to everyone on board? Day. And day. Day. (laughs) <laughs> and they send the Kreblogger in. <laughs> Go, Kreblogger, save the day. <laughs> it's th- like a Pokemon. I could be Thunderbird 6. <laughs> the Kreblogger. <laughs> Lord Parker's holiday. <laughs> holiday. 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 Yes, milady. A malfunctioning solar reflector Ooh, threatens no. <laughs> an alpine town. Lady Parker. Lady Parker. <laughs> oh, my. My is not working. Lady Penelope and Parker on <laughs> vacation. <laughs> Yes, my man. Lady Parker. <laughs> Maybe they're secretly getting That's married when Parker, it's all over. That's why Parker went on an holiday to have a sex change. <laughs> holiday. <laughs> I'm only holiday. I'm getting bits changed. <laughs> oh no. No, 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 no. Okay, moving on. Is Ricochet. Ricochet. A man telecommunications satellite. We're getting into many satellites here and solar things and like that. Which broadcasts a music program of which Tintin is a huge fan is disrupted by the detonation of a rogue unmanned space rocket and is set on a collision course with a Middle Eastern oil refinery. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a case of they try, I think they try to go up to space to, yeah, they go up to space with Thunderbird 3. Mm-hmm. And they said to him, look, come on. He goes like, no, I'm not leaving the station. He goes like, okay, well, that's fine. You know, so he kind of locks them out. They go away and then he kind of gets knocked out of orbit. So he kind of is on a collision course in Thunderbird 2. Goes up and tries to steady it by hitting the satellite with his wing. Uh, so like he tries to tip, hit it yeah. and then um, it lands there. And then um, once he gets out and gets in Thunderbird 2, then he kind of just lets it go and then it just hits the sun and then blows up. And that's that but it was just a button the wreck punch O'Shea because uh, Tintin says how much she loves it and Alan's just like uh, not this Alan uh, Alan Tracy says like oh Tintin there's nothing there uh, it's rubbish and all that kind of stuff and Tintin goes like oh no but Alan I love it I don't love you because you're, you're like 12 and you're like oh no oh no time to sunrise <laughs> so yes finally we have uh, the last regular episode of Thunderbirds. It is give or take a million. As Christmas festivities are being prepared what I'll say actually first is let's see if I can get through this without saying something wrong. Uh, as Christmas festivities <laughs> Lord are, Tracy. are being prepared at both Tracy Island and a local children's hospital which is expanding to include a new radiation therapy wing. A pair of crenum- <laughs> damn it. <laughs> a pair of criminals attempt to rob a high tech vault Filled with gold and one million dollars in money. It is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. In 1966, it was crap loads. That would be serious money nowadays. Like, 
Yep. You'll readjust it for inflation and all that sort of thing. Like. Um, I don't really remember this. I'll probably it's watch a, a bit of a sad ending to. I'll know. probably watch that at Christmas time since it's Christmas festivities right. and stuff. But again, it's like he's of all really kind of been picking up this. It's kind of just went rather downhill, which is obviously why there was only six episodes in this season, mm-hmm. which is a shame because you're 26 in the previous one. Like, yeah, which is not bad. The only other thing we can really give a mention to is obviously there was two kind of feature films after the regular series ended. Yeah, there's Thunderbird Argo uh, and Thunderbird Six. Yep. Uh, Thunderbirds Argo, uh, I remember due to the fact that uh, Cliff Richard and Shadows had puppets made and were put into that film. That's true, yes. Um, Thunder and I don't really remember an awful lot about it apart from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thunderbird 6, I never stuff. watched. Um, I just remember seeing the trailers for it and it just looked like. You know, like you have all this futuristic stuff, and then you've got something that looks like the Wright, that, that the Wright brothers have made, and you're like, oh, "All right, let's put that in there." And you're like, "Brains, did you just copy this from somebody?" It's just like we have an international space station, we have a rocket, we have like something that can carry stuff, we have like a underwater submarine thing, and we have like one of the fastest mm-hmm. vehicles ever, and then you give us this. But I was like, "Sorry, brains, uh, you fired." Yeah. The one last thing I'll mention is there was like compilation films that came out uh, between 1980 and 82. Basically what they took was nearly what kind of they do with Doctor Who DVDs nowadays is the sense of you'll have like a certain theme. Yeah, that's, so you will. that's so what So you'll maybe not have uh, the same Doctor involved, so it may say be a John Pertwee or it may be a Peter Davison and then somebody else on there. But what they've done is... There's say there was Thunderbirds to the rescue, Thunderbirds in outer space, and Countdown to Disaster. Yeah. For example, Thunderbirds in outer space had Sun Probe and Ricochet. Ricochet. And that's it, how so. I watched them because the other one had, um, I think it had Terror in New York and the, and Atlantic Inferno. Yeah. So I had those two, and then that's how I saw them. Was mm-hmm. it was on like one video you put it in it was kind of like a feature length thing yeah very much the way you know like uh, Secret of the Sword was the mm. first five episodes of Shira yeah. or Thundercats Ho yeah Thundercats um, was Ho, like yeah. you know so it's kind of a case of they've also brought them out because when was that 1980 did you say uh, Thunderbirds to the Rescue was 1980 Thunderbirds in Outer Space was 1981 and Countdown to the Disaster was 1982 yeah so that's how I was introduced to them because my dad rented them from a local video store and I remember him putting them down and let me watch him because obviously it's something that he'd watch when yes. I was growing up and then I took to that you know so very much the same way as if I have a son you know like he'll be watching Master Universe and he God help him he better like it otherwise it'd be like um, <laughs> or you shall destroy him yeah, like, oh yeah Spongebob no no Spongebob no Spongebob for you you sit down and w- you watch Thundercats and you think about what you've done <laughs> Learn a moral lesson from Thundercats and He-Man. Or put him in front of Bod and go like, oh, you being a bad boy, you watch Bod. No, even I would rescue that child. (laughs) Come (laughs) here, child, you shall be rescued. International rescue, watch him, he's been crying wolf too many times. (laughs) So yes, that is everything in terms of Thunderbirds. So, we hope you enjoyed the interview and all that shenanigans and randomness and my awful excuse for reading things and talking and that just there but before we shoot away and all that sort of stuff we have a couple of things we need to get off our chest you all suck no not really I'm only joking it's a big joke 
Um, yes, it's the thing. <laughs> Big joke, nobody laughing. <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody laughing except me. You're suck. Oh dear. But anyway, we have many things coming up for you here in the world of Operation Wrestle Shock and Retro Shock. What? Twill mustache, twill mustache. See, I couldn't even get that right. I said Operation Wrestle Shock. Oh, okay. But we but have yes. something to do with that. Yes, we do. We do. But we have Wrestle Shock, we have Retro Shock, all sort of stuff. You thought I was going to announce another show, didn't you? <laughs> Bog off. <laughs> no. Right off. Buy one, get one free. <laughs> yep. Buy one, get one free on shows now. <laughs> you buy one show, you get one free. It's okay. Buy one free, you get one free. Oh, perfect deal. <laughs> perfect deal. So, yes, what would you like to tell them first? What have, what have we got I think that we'll, you would like to tell them? We'll talk about WrestleShock. Okay. Because, obviously, um, you may be aware that uh, we were planning to do a SummerSlam special, which yeah. did not uh, happen. Um, Due to what, unforeseen reasons. What we're going to do then is, oh, it's the Raw GM. He's long gone, where do you go? It's uh, Jimmy saying, how's the podcasting going? It's going very well, Jimmy. Thank you very much for texting and showing an interest. Okay, well, I'll text him later. We'll talk to you later. Okay, so this is first he will know. So Mr. Mike Lacey will be joining us. Um, mm-hmm. He wanted to come on the show to talk about Thunderbirds, and unfortunately we couldn't do that. So what we're going to do is invite Mike on the show, and we're going to do a Survivor Series special. Yeah. Um, just with November fast approaching, obviously uh, Thanksgiving for everyone in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Survivor Series plays a pivotal role in that. Obviously we will receive the return of the Great One, the Brahma Bull. The, the jabroni b- beating, pie eating. <laughs> not afraid to sweat, not afraid to bleed, gonna beat his bald head. Garen Dan Tate. So John Cena just needs to see his head. I left a naughty word out of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're going to talk about Survivor Series. Um, just basically have a look at um, some of the matches from Survivor Series past and present. Um, I do have some from like the older ones, which we'll go over. You know, yep. obviously this was whenever it was like four on four, and then obviously we're going to five on five. I know because sadly we're not going to see that at this Survivor Series. That was the original plan with Rock and Cena was to have a traditional Survivor Series match, but it is now sadly just a tag team match. Uh, a bit rubbish because that's what Survivor Series that's like having that's a Royal, what Survivor Series is about that's like having a Royal Rumble without a Royal Rumble match mm. in my opinion not to get too far into the talking of the wrestling but Bret Hart saying that Survivor Series traditional tag team matches are a waste of time why is up Bret if they hadn't had them in the first place you'd have never got on the show so calm yourself mate. Um, yeah, so we'll be talking about our favourite Survivor Series. Obviously, we do have the likes of the from 2001 onwards, so we'll probably maybe have a look more in depth at that. You know, obviously, in 2002, um, the episode we covered um, to do with the first elimination chamber yep. match. Um, so we'll probably talk about that, get Mike's thoughts on that, and so on. Um, so that's what we've announced for WrestleShock. Obviously. By the time you hear this, you probably will have already heard the Wrestle Shock reviews, the very first one. He's trying um, to break away from me, everybody, but I won't let him go. Um, obviously, <laughs> you, only joking. Obviously, you, um, we are getting uh, DVDs sent now and Blu-rays sent from um, SilverVision.co.uk. Um, hence, why that's heavily promoted on the show. Obviously, it's the same with the Nintendo and stuff like that. Once we get them, we promote them on the show. Um, we do have other ones that are um, coming our way as well. Um, the next, uh, obviously, if you go back and listen to episode one, you will hear about um, just a couple of ones that I've done. Um, the WWE Greatest Rivalries, Brett versus Sean, and um, the other one I did was Randy Orton DVD, and briefly covered SummerSlam as well. 
um, and then just give you a brief tease to the Stone Cold Steve Austin Blu-ray and DVD set. Mm. Um, so that's basically what we're going to be doing with WrestleShock is bringing out a WrestleShock reviews every so often, very much like ORS reviews, yep, um, and that kind of thing. So yes, good times ahead for WrestleShock, but also very, very, very good times ahead for RetroShock because not only have we got a hellload of episodes coming um, and to be quite honest I don't know how we're going to pull it off in the run up to Christmas time but we are going to do it it will be managed but the really 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 big one yep that we want to talk about coming up I want to do it justice and I'm trying to think how best to do it Okay, put it this way, obviously in Pop Culture Network you have a lot of content. You have Rob Bass, um, which is kind of your Transformers guy. You have Pixel Dan and myself, which is kind of your Master Universe guy. You have Ryan Porter, which is your comic guy. Then you have Sween Halleck. Mm. He's a bit of a turtle buff. He likes um, the, oh, let's see if I can get this right, the anthropomorphic reptiles, reptiles, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was a fan of something like Alan was, like myself was back in, you know, like the early 90s, you know. Late uh, 80s. Late 80s, yeah. Um, so, just whenever, you know, like I'd interviewed Shane Rimmer, I fired off another email and I got a reply and I was just like, I can't wait to talk to this gentleman. <laughs> so, and of course, I was told and I was like, oh, ho, 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 yes. So, ho, ho, Green Giant. So, <laughs> we will play the promo of the gentleman who will be appearing on, what shall we say, next week's show? Yes, our next show, yes. Our, our next show, which hopefully will be next week by the time you hear this. Yes. So, we shall play the um, promo from the man himself, and just listen to this, and then you'll get a taste of what that's from. Well, hey kids, it's me, Townsend Coleman, and you probably know me better as the voice of Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And you, right now, are with Chris and Alan on Operation Retroshock. Cowabunga! Dudes. Whoa, dude. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 No. Yes. Yes, he is on. Yes. Yeah, he is on. And <laughs> that's obviously who we'll be talking to. Will be Townsend Coleman, the voice of Michelangelo, dudes. Um, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles in the UK, of course. Um, yeah. So we talked to him. Now, obviously, the Shane Rimmer interview was about twenty minutes long. Mm-hmm. This is substantially more. This is probably about if you put Stan Bush's interview, uh, Shane Rimmer's interview, and probably Larry Kenny's interview together, you get the combined total of Townsend Coleman, which is about an hour and five minutes. It was an awesome, awesome interview. We really were, we never thought he would give up so much of his time to speak to us. It really, really was fantastic. But you will obviously have to wait for it you won't have to wait long which is a good thing this is going to be the first time in retro shock history that you're going to have back-to-back interviews on back-to-back episodes it's not why is that because eric stewart and stan bush were uh one week in the next week stan bush doesn't count <laughs> okay uh, okay you're gonna hear from alan so uh i'm just putting that out there um it may be the first time that you had um Two decent interviews back to back. There we go. <laughs> okay, I'm not digging any more of a hole. 
Yes. And you can follow Stampush on Twitter. So you can. <laughs> um, so there you go. Um, that's probably the best way to follow him yeah. is, you know, um, you know, like, yeah. But anyway, so, uh, yeah. Um, you will really, really enjoy it, everyone. We can't wait for you to hear it. Um, obviously, on this episode as well, we can't, um, <coughs> we can't um, neglect the fact that the marvellous Sween Halleck will be joining us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we'll be having a look at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon from back in the day, the 2002 incarnation, and obviously we will be talking about um, the comics briefly and obviously the films. Turtles 1, 2, Secret of the Ooze, Turtles 3 and the 2007 one and then what we expect to see from the Nickelodeon cartoon as well Nickelodeon mm-hmm. so yeah so that's coming up soon and that's, that's one you you really need to mark in your calendar because this will be this will be one of the shows that um, even though we're proud of all our shows this will probably be the one that we're most proud of I would imagine definitely definitely but alas it is time to depart to Thunder Eyes? No, not particularly. I wouldn't mind just going, really, So, because okay. Thunder Eyes is quite corny. So, I have been Alan Price. Uh, we need to do stuff before you go. No, I'm Alan Price. I'm away. Too, okay, okay. No, 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 well, it's okay. Sorry. Alan Price is away. So, uh, yeah, you need to make sure you head over to popculturenetwork.com to make sure you check all the awesome content there, whether it's the Power and the Honor uh, segments from Pixel Dan, or Earth is a Cybertron by Rob Bass, The Comic Corner by Ryan Porter, Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk by um, Sabine Halleck, Master Universe Chronicles by Chris Fint. Uh, Wrestle Shop by Chris Fint and Alan Price. Who are they? You know, it figures with the. A TNTS crew all that kind of jazz so make sure you head over there um, obviously you can buy stuff from the PCN store um, and also what do not forget one very important place though what the Pop Culture Network YouTube channel okay where everybody can go go there and follow that well actually subscribe to that channel because this is where all your videos, all of Sween's videos, all of Rob's videos and all are going to be. Obviously each person that's going to be on Pop Culture Network as well and it's going to be for the likes of Rob and his own his own website as well. But basically we're trying to condense everything onto one channel. Obviously Chris and myself aren't you know, as much into the videos as the other guys. Chris is involved with Rob a few times so he has been. Um, but the site is trying to get that channel up and running full speed because they ran off Dan's old channel for mm-hmm. many a moon but they need to get this one now so they can get the longer episodes up there so go there and subscribe to that channel and get it up to speed and break I think it's like a 12 minute like yeah. time thing I don't like understand because I, I can upload lo- videos longer than 15 minutes in mine maybe that's just because you're popular you never know maybe, secretly maybe it is but yes definitely do that go to the store all that sort of stuff. And before we go, obviously, you can follow RetroShock on Twitter, which is RetroShock316. You can follow Pop Culture Network, which is Pop Culture Net. And you can also head to the Operation RetroShock page on Facebook, which is probably facebook.com forward slash Operation RetroShock. Indeed, it is. One thing I will sell, sell. It's not been a good evening. One thing I will say to you all is yes, we run competitions on the show, so we do. But we will maybe now take more of a step towards doing our competitions a lot on Twitter because we recently did one there. We had a copy of Just Dance 3 to give away and we did it with our good friend Luke, Game Festoria, on Twitter. And to say, 
it was a success would be an understatement. Yes. Um, it garnered much coverage and tons of people following both accounts. Um, so if you are one of those people that recently followed the Retroshock Twitter, hello to you and thank you very much for joining us. Um, but we'll be doing quite a few more competitions on there in the future linked up with Luke. But we will still continue to do you know, the competition now and again on the show because we just like to switch it up and all that sort of stuff. But yes, definitely, if you haven't already, follow the Twitter and you can be in it to win it. I think that's all now. I think we've got it. Yeah, it's just well, I always have to make sure we'll cover a pop culture network. Dot com. Yeah, so obviously, if you want to check out the backlog of our, like our, our, of our episodes, you can head over to operationretroshock.com or click on iTunes and type in Operation Retroshock mm-hmm. or either Chris Vint or Alan Price. And lastly, if you want to send Alan an email, it is Alan Price at popculturenetwork.com. That is A L A N P R I C E. And you can also send me one, which is Vintoman at popculturenetwork.com. Uh, that's just V-I-N-T-O-M-A-N. And you can also find us on the Pop Culture Network forums. Mm-hmm. There's also an Operation Retroshock thread there, so if you'd like to post anything that you want to see covered on the show... Feel free. Feel free. We're already uh, discussing what to cover for our Christmas episode, since it's not long and coming round. I know. It'll be a blink of an eye, and it will be Santa Claus coming down the chimney. Yes, and supposedly it's meant to be a very bad Christmas here, so uh, lots of snow and get out like the crampons for the shoes and stuff like that. So yes, is it finally time to go? Finally time. Finally time to go. Finally. Yes, indeed it is finally time. For us to depart, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Operation Retroshock number 40. I can't believe it really saying that, but (laughs) I'm sure it will not be very long until we are reaching that magic number of 5-0... And we look forward to you all being involved. We will have no doubt many surprises lined up. I think it's time to start planning that, because it's not far away. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, well, not until episode 50, but (laughs) until next time, until our interview with Townsend Coleman and Turtle Action, I have been Alan Price. I've been Chris Vint, and I've been a member of International Rescue. All right. (laughs) 